It's only recently that I learned the name, or rather the word, narcissist. <laughs> uh, it's not such a good word for someone to be known as. And uh, it's not such a good one if you are living with a narcissist. We have a guest today. This is now Tell Us, and I'm your host, Anthony Morori. And our guest today is known as Dana S. Diaz. And she's going to tell us about healing from narcissistic abuse. Now, if you don't know what we are talking about, then you better stay here because you are going to learn what it is all about shortly. And now, I would like to invite you to join me as we go to meet our guest today at Now Tell Us. Please remember to share this episode with all your friends. If you have questions, ask. We'll answer to the best of our ability. Or if you have any comment to make, we we'll love our feedback. Whether you're watching this live or you are hearing it live or even the recorded versions, we appreciate any feedback that you may give us. And Without taking one more minute, I'm just going to ask you to join me as we go to meet our guest today. Here we go. Hello, Dana. Hello, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Yeah, good to have you at Now Tell Us. Thank you for coming. I'm I'm happy to be here. Unfortunately, it's not the nicest topic to discuss, but it's one that um, a lot of people can relate to, unfortunately. Yeah. Let's start by <laughs> I am um, I just uh, express the fact that I had not seen that word until I was old enough. <laughs> I, was, right. I was many years old. So what is that word? Narcissist, can you spell it for us? Can you tell us what it is? I can. I did not know this was a spelling bee, but yes, narcissist, N-A-R-C-I-S-S-I-S-T. -S -S it's a terrible, terrible uh, thing to be. Um, but unfortunately, they say that 0.5, a half percent of the entire population, which equates to about 158 million people just in the United States alone, are or can be identified as narcissists. So they're everywhere. They're everywhere. But I will clarify that not all narcissists are bad. I always say narcissists are kind of like tumors, and that sounds terrible, but you can have a benign tumor that's not bothering you, it's just there, and you can have a malignant tumor that is going to cause you physical health problems, it's going to possibly kill you. Those need to be removed, and unfortunately with narcissists, it's the same way. But basically, a narcissist is a person that feels superior to other people. They feel entitled. 
um, to special treatment and, and, you know, that they don't have to follow rules and, you know, nothing applies to them because, you know, they are unique and special in that way. Um, but there's different types of narcissists. And there are some that are very, you know, they brag and they're very um, direct about how they feel about themselves. They absolutely feel that they are the kings and queens. You know, they are God's gift. They are, you know, they they just, they almost should be wearing crowns and capes because they just think they're it and everybody should bow to them. And they will tell you that. But then there's covert narcissists, which I've dealt with both. Um, but the covert narcissist appears very humble, almost pitiful. Um, you know, sometimes they're shy and introverted, but they still seek that appreciation and admiration, but they manipulate you, you know, with this humble uh, facade that they put on so that you give them all, all this exaltation so that it fills their ego to feel that superiority that they feel you should give them. They want servitude. Um, but all narcissists in one way or another usually are trying to use you for some higher purpose, you know, to meet their needs. Um, you just don't realize it's happening, unfortunately, because of the ways that they go about it. They're very tricky about it. So um, when you're with a malignant narcissist, unfortunately, that's my specialty only from being a victim of it. Um, and that's where narcissistic abuse comes in. And abuse is abuse. We all know what abuse is. We all know physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse. But when you're with a narcissist, they can abuse you financially. They can abuse you sexually. Um, there's a lot of manipulation and this word gaslighting that gets tossed around a lot um, where they almost brainwash you. They're, they're making you think that, you know, if you say, oh, well, I just heard you say that. No, you didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't say that. That didn't happen. So then after, you know, how many times that with this going on and on, you start to question yourself and doubt what you're hearing and doubt your, you know, you just don't trust yourself. So now you're, you know, basically under their control because they're dictating to you everything you should say, everything you, you can do everything that you saw, everything that happened, and you almost lose yourself in all that, which, which is the most detrimental thing, because when you're losing yourself, then you are basically at their whim. You're, I always say I felt like a dog waiting for the owner to tell me what to do, you know, and if I was a good girl, I would be treated okay, and if I was not a good girl, then there were consequences. And, and that's why people get stuck in those situations because you become afraid to leave because you're afraid of what those consequences will be. Yeah, tell us a bit more about your experience. I mean, how did it all start? And yeah, the experiences that you've had so far. Well, unfortunately, I was, my, my stepfather is a, a very overt narcissist and I was abused as a child by him. So, you know, those experiences kind of sent me out into the world thinking that I thought I had to earn love again, like a dog. I thought I had to do tricks. And if I did tricks, I'd get a treat. If I did what I was supposed to do, I would get a little bit of affection. I would get a little bit of, of love. Um, but I also had this idea. Um, unfortunately, my mother 
was a gaslighter. And, and when I would go to her and say, you know, your husband is doing these things to me, he's saying these things to me. Um, she would say, no, that, you know, he's just, he, he's just loves you, but he is doing these things because it's an expression of how much he loves you, that he cares about you so much that he's disciplining you so harshly. So she kind of taught me to equate love with the abuse. Like I thought if I wasn't being mistreated, if I was not being knocked around and, and bruised and, and, you know, all these things that were happening to me and told every day that nobody would love me and you're not worthy of anything and you'll never be anything. I thought that meant he loved me. That's what my mother was telling me. Mm. So I go out into the world thinking I have to earn love and that, you know, somebody has to mistreat me and that's love. So of course I fell for somebody that, was mistreating me. I thought he was a jerk. I thought that, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, he reminded me very much of my abusive stepfather. Yet in my skewed frame of mind, I thought, well, this must mean he loves me because there were times that things were very, very good. And that's the misconception people have. They think that, well, how could you end up with somebody like this, especially if you're a victim of abuse? Well, unfortunately, if, when you're in romantic relationships with these people, you usually have some kind of childhood history of abuse um, in one way or another, and that kind of sets you up for it. But you stay because there are times they are good to you. I always refer to, you know, like Ted Bundy, the serial killer. They say he was handsome and charming and likable. Yeah, and he killed a lot of women. <laughs> it's not like he was running around like Chucky with a butcher knife and crazy red hair and a striped sweater, you yeah. know, attracting women. Nobody would go with Chucky. <laughs> you know. So these are people that are, are seemingly, you know, these great, people and we fall for them and it's behind closed doors when this abuse is happening mm. yeah wow That's such an experience now we've have, we have a viewers watching and they are we we want to appreciate each and every one of you who's watching thank you very much we have mark voice and uh mark has something that he'd like you to contribute to us or to talk about uh, first, he says, great talk. And he, he was wondering where the broad line is when it comes to the concept of everyone is using each other. There's no selfless act, etc., etc. It is not always clear, it seems. There's a difference between using and abusing. Yeah? Between yes. influencing and manipulating. Could you give your thoughts, share your thoughts? Yes, there absolutely is a difference between using and abusing. And yes, people use each other all the time. But when you are swinging a crowbar at somebody's head and threatening to kill them if they don't do something and intimidating them to the point where they are fearful and doing things so that they are not physically harmed or killed, that is abuse. Mm -hmm. To me, that's not a blurred line. Um, 
you know, and these are the things I'm talking about. So when you probably heard me say that narcissists usually use people, absolutely. They see the person they're abusing as some utility, and that is why they are abusing them, to put that fear in them that they don't leave. Because mm -hmm. if you leave, then they are losing whatever it is that they saw in you. In my case, I sensed very early on that he saw... Um, you know, he, he, we met when I was in college, I was getting a degree, I was very resourceful. Um, and he was very set on, he was very concerned with money. He wanted things, he wanted um, a house, he wanted four wheelers, he wanted a boat, he wanted, 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 because that was all, all this stuff was going to make him happy. He could never be happy without it. Well, mm. he saw me in college moving along to, you know, be very successful in my career. I was making very good money compared to him. Um, and I, I did sense that, you know, I, you'd have to read my book to see all the details of it. But there were clear signs to me that it wasn't me. I mean, he outright told me he didn't like me, yet he was marrying me you know, and, and he, he didn't want anything, you know, didn't want to spend any time with me, didn't want the things that characterize a healthy relationship, but he wanted me to make money. And, mm -hmm. and towards the end of our 25 years together, he outright said he was done working. He worked for 17 years. He said his exact words were to me were get to it, mama, that I was supposed to support him while he sat on the couch and watched TV day in and day out and I was sickly and I was working 10 to 12 hours a day, seven days a week, just to pay our mortgage, raise our son, put him through school, get food on the table. That's financial abuse. Mm -hmm. That is financial abuse, keeping me out of his checking account, but using my money, opening credit cards in my name. And I have reason to believe also that without a job after the divorce, he took my tax returns that his name were on because we were legally married during mm. the time I was making that money. And he bought a house with oh. using my income. That is abuse. That's not just using. So, mm. you know, there is definitely a, 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 I don't think it's a blurred line or a fine line. If, if somebody's using you, yes, we all know what that is. But abuse involves actually causing harm to somebody for some purpose. And usually it's to intimidate you to stay. Well, so there's that mutual agreement on things that you do. There is one uh, having, giving some selfless act. And then, so we, at some point, someone may say you're being used. And then there is abuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, good definitions, I mean, to help yeah. us a bit more, the extremes that people can go through. Exactly. And that's why I say influencing, manipulating um, to address the rest of your question mark. You know, that's the same thing as using and abusing. You know, you can influence somebody um, and certainly by, you know, manipulation, you can influence somebody. But, you know, manipulation that is being, I always look at the intent um, I say that if you are intending to cause harm to another human being or not considering the other human being, you know, in my situation, let's say when I was made, you know, to be the primary breadwinner, not by choice, I had developed a lung disease. We were in the midst of COVID. My doctors said a common cold could kill me. 
because I went autoimmune. I had no white blood cells. I had no defense against this. I was wearing an oxygen machine in a backpack on my back. So for this man to sit there and say that he is fully capable of going out and having a job, he just chose not to work, but was putting me out there and saying, well, I guess it's all on you now. That's abuse. Mm. That's more yeah. than influencing. And what was I supposed to do? We had a mortgage. We had a child I had to feed. You know, was I going to not work? And that's more than influence. Manipulating is when you feel like you don't have a choice. And unfortunately, a lot of victims of abuse do feel helpless in their situation. So you try to do the best you can to maintain some sense of normalcy or some sense of peace you know, to resolve whatever it is at the present moment. You're not looking at the long term. Obviously, it wasn't a, a pleasant situation for anybody, but um, it was definitely not influence. It, it was manipulation. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, now, it's complex. At some point you talked about uh, if we want to know more, we can go to, we can go read your book. Now, tell us, so you've written a book. Yes, I had. Uh, yes, absolutely. It's called Gasping for Air, The Stranglehold of Narcissistic Abuse. Yes, that is the beautiful cover that um, I'm very proud of. Um, this actually came from a journal that I was keeping during the last couple of years of my former marriage um, because I was being gaslighted. You know, he never said that. He never did that. And I started to think, Everything I see and everything I hear, I'm being told didn't happen and was never said. I started to wonder, you you do question yourself. You know, it, am I seeing things that differently? Am, is my perception of reality that skewed? So I started keeping a notebook and I kept it hidden under the couch cushion in the basement so he wouldn't find out because if he did, there might be, con well, I know there would be consequences. Abuser abusers don't want to be exposed or they don't want their abuse acknowledged in any way. Mm. So during COVID, during all this time, I, I was working a lot less, obviously, as many of us were. We were stuck in our houses and I started taking this these um, little paragraphs that I was keeping in this journal of all these things that were happening and I elaborated the stories um, and that's actually what ended up becoming the book. But at that point, he was making threats on my life in, in emails and text messages. I have a voicemail. So I was worried that he was going to try to do something during this time of COVID and make it look like an accident or, you know, somehow it was just really, really difficult. So I thought if I kept this record, then if something happened, people would know what was really going on because nobody knew. And I, I mean, to this day, there are people that don't believe me because he is out. Again, I go back to what a narcissist looks like in society. They're charitable. They're generous. They look like normal people. They're humble. They can, you know, they're funny. Nobody thinks that they're doing the things that they're doing behind closed doors. And that's what's so difficult for victims. Hmm. Well, so people uh, should go and get that book and read uh, <laughs> your stories. They they get to know much more about your situations that you went through. Now we have Anje. Anje is uh, saying that 
her son abuses her and abused her, does it mean he could be narcissistic? Uh, use and abuse does not go together? This is what I always tell people. If you feel like you're being mistreated, you're being mistreated. Okay. We can put labels on all kinds of things. Does it mean he's narcissistic? I mean, narcissism is such a complex uh, disorder. I can't speak to that without really knowing more about it. Um, I would refer, um, this is Angie, is that her name, who um, who just asked this question. I would refer you to my website, danasdiaz.com. I do have a quiz on there that will answer your question of whether you're being abused by a narcissist. But abuse is abuse at the end of the day. The thing about narcissistic abuse is that it's all-encompassing. You know, as a child, I was physically and verbally abused by a narcissist. So that is narcissistic abuse. Um, but you can be physically abused by somebody. You can be verbally abused. You can be you can be abused emotionally in so many ways. But it's when you're abused by a narcissist that it's called narcissistic abuse. Um, mm -hmm. Just like we call spousal abuse is when your spouse abuses you. Um, but whether or not he's a narcissist, I, I, I and you know, I'm not trying to dismiss it, but if you feel like you're being abused, you're being abused and it's wrong. And I don't care who it is. It's unfortunate. And I am sorry for you because I know the pain of having family members that, you know, these are not the relationships you want to have with them. And, and it's heartbreaking that they can treat you this way. But um, if you think he's a narcissist and, and he's abusing you, then, then absolutely. But I'd certainly need to know more. Yeah, so Angie, you can follow up with uh, Dana on her website and mm -hmm. uh, know more, uh, ask more questions, get to interact. That that's at Dana's Dana. DanaSDS.com. Yes. And there are links on there for Facebook and Instagram. I always tell people, if you follow me, I post content every single day with information about narcissism, about maybe things you might feel if you are in a relationship with a narcissist or ways to heal, um, ways to cope, um, you know, all kinds of different content. You're very welcome, Angie. Um, so, you know, definitely go there because there's people that, you know, they study this for decades and decades because it's so, I wish there was an easy explanation, um, but there's not. But certainly, like I said, if you feel like in your gut something isn't right, that's your red flag. That is your sign that you're being abused. Well, thank you for that, Dana. Now, Max says thank you for explaining. And uh, he says your experience is very clearly a case of nasty abuse. Yeah. And uh, he was aiming at how to detect the more subtle ways how these narcissists operate, especially that the, the ones that you just met. Yeah, everybody asks that a lot. Everybody wants to know the red flags. And, you know, I'm going to go back to your gut. You know, we click with some people and we don't click with other people. And some people we're sort of indifferent to. We don't dislike them and there's nothing wrong with them. We just don't click as well as we do with others. But mm -hmm. if you meet somebody and it just isn't, you know, you're just not connecting them the way that you might connect with somebody else. 
Um, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, so we all have a person, at least one in our lives that the second we met them, you know, it was like, you knew them, you knew them your whole life. It was easy. You talked and, and you, you feel the same way you have all these, you know, when you click with somebody like that, that's good. When you don't click and you just kind of butt heads or, or there's just something not connecting on some level then you are having a misconnection. I think especially in romantic relationships, we try so hard to make things work when re really we should just be searching for that person that just that you just go along with really well, that you're like, where have you been all my life? But we try so hard because of whatever reasons, you know, there's so many factors um, that we try to make things work that really shouldn't, you know, just like in my case, you know, I, I did not like him. I still didn't like him after going with him for a little while, you know, even the first few times we hung out, I did not like this man and I spent 25 years with him. So, um, it's difficult, but the, the little subtle things, you know, to give you something, um, Mark, you know, <sighs> narcissism is really hard, but anybody that feels, you know, I go back to this entitlement. Um, if they are, uh, if you're out to dinner with them and then they're annoyed and we all get annoyed at this, but you know, like that, that server should be giving them water first, or they should be tended to first because they're special. You know, anybody that feels that they are above everybody else in some way, that is a clear sign of a narcissist. Now, if they're an abusive narcissist, I don't know, because I am not sitting here saying stay away from all narcissists. I am saying stay away from abusive narcissists because I know a few narcissists that I actually love very much. They're not bothering anybody. They mm. do think that they're entitled and superior and that everybody should just admire everything about them and that they look so good. And, and some of them really do, <laughs> but you know, they're not bothering anyone with it. You yeah. can even sometimes laugh at it, but the ones that are, I always say if, if you, if they are intentionally causing you harm or being completely inconsiderate or rude, um, mm. to achieve this sense of status and, and, and that they're much more important than everybody else, that's probably a malignant narcissist and you're probably not going to get too far with them um, because they are the ones to watch out for. Well, thank you for that. Now, we are curious, how did you get out of the situation and how are you dealing with it right now? Oh, because well, it, it was, yeah, someone. it was a long, long, long haul. Um, I wanted to be out of that situation for 15 years, but, you know, I think no matter whether there's abuse happening or not, when you're in, in a, a marriage and your families are intertwined and you have a home and you have a life and you have a, children and, and all these things, so many things keep you. And I honestly thought that if I was better in some way that I could make things better because mm -hmm. I, I truly believe in taking accountability. I knew who he was when I married him, but I thought if I could bring out a better side of him, if it, cause he could be good, he could be nice to me. He just chose not to most of the mm -hmm. time. So mm -hmm. I tried, but by the end of, towards the end of our 25 years together, um, I actually became very ill. I was, I was experiencing about two dozen different symptoms from blurred vision, 
um, heart palpitations, stiff muscles, you know, and I should say I'm a healthy eater. I was a cross country coach, uh, you know, so, you know, healthy overall, but mm -hmm. I was having so many neurological, cardiovascular, muscular problems, digestive issues, a lot of migraines and stomach aches, just like when I was a child going through that abuse. So, all these doctors, all these specialists, nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. Eventually, I got with Mayo Clinic. They determined that I had a rare lung disease called upper airway resistance syndrome. The doctor says it's like having COPD and fibromyalgia all at the same time. So you can imagine all of the things I was experiencing with this physically. And they said it was a direct result and very common in abuse victims, but a direct result of the chronic stress um, and the, you know, extraordinary amounts of cortisol, which is a stress hormone that we're going through my body um, mm. at, at such elevated, you know, amounts for so long. Um, and it was at that point that I just had to really think like, you know, he has taken everything from me. He I had no family or friends because, you know, narcissists will isolate you so that they're the only influence in your life. He didn't want me reading. He didn't want me on the computer. I couldn't have any outside influence at all. He, I had a college degree in journalism, psychology. He, this man had me cleaning, you know, toilets and scrubbing floors for work because I couldn't do anything that gave me any sense of accomplishment or joy because then I might have a self-esteem and walk out on him. So, I mean, he had taken everything. So when he took my health, that I think for me was the last straw. Well, I know it was. So mm. I chose to um, file for divorce. Unfortunately, I consulted with an attorney right before COVID. And then we went in the shelter in place. So I could not get a divorce. And I was stuck in the house with this man who clearly uh, made it very clear he wanted to kill me. Mm. When the courts reopened, I divorced him. He was most violent after there were attempts on my life, um, but I am here still standing. And that was just almost three years ago in about a week or so. It'll be three years since all that. Um, but I am doing fabulously. And that is why I speak out to let people know if you can get out safely. I mean, assuming your life is not in danger and you can get out. I promise you there's another side. I, you know, I am not scrubbing toilets anymore for work. I'm using my degree in journalism and psychology with my new mission, you know, as a voice for victims of abuse. I have published a book. I am in the process of publishing the prequel and the sequel to the book. So the prequel will talk about my childhood abuse growing up. And the sequel will talk about the aftermath of the divorce and remarrying because I'm happily remarried to a longtime friend Ooh. and my health has improved because mm -hmm. I'm safe. I don't feel, you know, I always felt this dread. I couldn't sleep at my old, you know, in my old house and that old life because I was hyper vigilant. I was always looking for threats, whether it was a look he gave me, a sound. I had CPTSD by the time I came out of it. So, you know, now that I am in, in a safe place with a peaceful, gentle, kind human being that loves me every day and respects me and, and, and treats me like a person should treat another human being, 
my nervous system is calming. And so I've been able to, you know, have healing and so through some therapy for the CPTSD and things are really, really good. Um, I even have been championing for people not to close themselves off after a relationship like that, because so many people, and I was one of them, you know, want to go and hide and, and not get involved with anybody because maybe they don't trust themselves or we just don't trust any other people after mm -hmm. something like that. But I was fortunate, you know, I'm married to somebody I already knew for many years. So um, the trust was already there. It had been established, but it has been tremendous. The difference it is to have somebody speaking positivity into me every day mm -hmm. and encouraging me and supporting me and how much better my physical health is as a result and how much better my mental health is as a result. It's just a stark difference. So I, I'm a firm believer, firm believer in simple acts of kindness because we can all choose to be kind to people and there are people like the some of these narcissists that are going to choose not to be but you can choose who you surround yourself with and mm -hmm. and just seeing the difference in, in my own physical and mental health being with somebody who is so negative versus somebody who treats me so positively I, I don't understand even sometimes. I mean, I do understand why I stayed in that situation, but um, I'm sad that I, I didn't love myself enough to get myself out sooner. Mm. Uh, it's quite a story. Yeah. <laughs> now, you've mentioned a few things towards the healing. And, in, and maybe in summary, you could give us, what would you suggest to someone who maybe has managed to walk out of that situation and need some healing. You mentioned therapy, you mentioned some friends. Yes. But you can sum, it, sum them up in point form. So there we Yes, go. absolutely. Um, you know, therapy is questionable because not all therapy, I am not a, personally a fan of traditional talk therapy. It does not uh, usually work very well for a lot of people, especially people coming out of narcissistic abuse or any kind of domestic violence situation. We most often have triggers and post-traumatic stress syndrome. So talk therapy usually is not um, very effective because of the anxiety and you know, just even knowing Thursday at three o'clock, you're going to go talk to somebody about it. You get anxious. You're going to cancel the appointment. It's too much. Mm. You have to do therapy in your own way. Um, mm. There are so many forms now, though. I did writing therapy. I'm a writer and I could do that at any time. There's mm. art therapy. There's music therapy. But I will say the one key thing, the and plus i I'm going to backtrack a little. Not everybody can afford therapy. It's not yeah. cheap. Mm -hmm. It's not cheap. Mm -hmm. And a lot of insurance doesn't cover some of these things. But the one thing that everybody can do, everybody, when you are with a narcissist who abuses you, who abuses you, you lose yourself. Mm -hmm. When I first came out of the situation, honestly, I had been so used to somebody dictating to me what what we like and what we don't like and what I could wear, what music I could listen to, how I should act, how I should do. Everything was dictated. I was micromanaged mm. to be the perfect little servant for this man. 
So when I came out, I had to do things like, gosh, what do I want to eat for dinner? It's always been about him. What do I want to have? You know, it sounds silly. It sounds so basic, but what do I want to wear? Oh, I can wear that now. That thing that, you know, for me, I remember even a lipstick. He told me I looked like a whore wearing this lipstick, mm -hmm. but it was a gift to me from somebody that meant a lot. And I thought it was pretty. And, and you know what? I wore the damn lipstick. Because that was part of me. I needed to fulfill myself and, and do the things that made my soul feel joy and feel full because it was empty. I felt dead inside. So mm -hmm. I needed to eat the ice cream for dinner instead of having what he wanted. I needed to wear the lipstick and wear my clothes and listen to music I wanted to listen to. Whatever was going to make my heart happy, I did it. You know, and I wanted to travel. So guess what? I went and traveled and visited family that I hadn't seen for 20 years because this man didn't want me traveling to see my family because they but, would probably well, have talked me out of being with them. This him. is all after now. It's happening. This after. is all after. Mm -hmm. I had to find myself again. And I think that's the one thing that people need to do first and foremost is figure out who you were. Get back to that person whoever you were before this, this, you know, whoever this is that did this to you, find yourself in those little ways, paint your nails, go buy yourself a new dress. If you're a gentleman, you might not do that. Whatever it is though, go play basketball with your friends, whatever it is, mm. just do the things that make you happy. Because when you start putting, you know, you kind of fill your soul with that positivity then you can start to heal, then go to the therapy, you'll be more receptive to it. But if you go into therapy, or, or even just talking to friends to work things out in your mind, when you feel that dead, and you feel that empty inside, it doesn't get you very far, you need you need to go back to who you were. So that's what I that's what I always advise people start with that. And that's easy stuff. Just ask yourself what's going to make me happy right now, and do it within reason. I mean, you know, what's going to make me happy right now is if I get on a flight plane and fly to like Punta Cana or something, but I cannot do that right now because I have commitments today and you know, my husband might miss me, but you know, within reason, do it, do what makes you happy. We all have things that'll make us happy. Just do it. Sure. sure. Well, thank you very much, Dana, for for that, for sharing your story, for my pleasure, even the ideas and tips that you've given to someone who could be going through that. Uh, we thank you. It's absolutely my pleasure. I just hope that if there is anybody listening that thinks they're in an abusive relationship of any kind, whether it's with a narcissist or not, I just want you to know that you really are not alone. You're not crazy so many people go through it and I know we're not allowed to speak up about it, but just know that if, if you decide to get yourself out of it, it will be okay. There are a lot of people rooting for you and, and we're all here for you. So just know it'll be okay. Wow. Yes. Just know that it will be okay. And uh, meanwhile, please rush over to Dana's danasds.com and connect with Dana for more. And remember, to get her book because uh, has a story that you would be 
good reading and enjoying. So that's about it for this episode of Now Tell Us. And we really appreciate you once again. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. We also thank you, our viewers and our listeners, whatever it is that you are going through, we wish you all the best. And we wish that you come out of it smiling. And uh, that's about it for today. Thank you. This has been Now Tell Us. I have been your host, Anthony Murore. And together with our guest today, Dana S. Diaz, we're saying bye for now. Bye. And all the best. Bye.